Hi, this is Pastor Frank at First Discipleship. I just want to welcome you to this particular podcast. This one is about Easter. Now, I don't like calling it Easter because that's not what it is, but I'm not going to go into detail just yet. But I want to give a history, and this is just for those who like to study. Um, I have uh, in Frank's Bible study um, another version of this, but this is a little more in-depth. And the reason why I need to go into depth is because it is very important what we do, why we do it, and who we do it to. This is uh, worshiping God. This is observing what scriptures say, um, rightly dividing the word of truth. It is very important to understand when this time of the year and why this is so important. So I hope that you're able to get what I'm saying and what I'm trying to say here. It is not to put anybody down in what you believe. If you're a traditionalist, it's not to put you down. I'm just trying to read in what the scripture says and what history has taught us when it comes to observing certain things in our lives and whether or not we're in the scripture and the authority of scripture when, when and how we do it. So this is not being legalistic. It is just giving facts. And you can make up your own mind of what history has taught us and also what the scriptures say, which sometimes they don't always level out and sometimes they do. But when we read the word of God, we know that God is going to tell us the truth. Now, we know the Bible is not a book of history, but we know it has history in it. What it is, it is the narrative about Jesus Christ. Now, the Georgian calendar the that we have today is a 365-day calendar. But this calendar is a today's internationally accepted civil calendar and is also known in the, in, as the Western or Christian calendar. Now, the Georgian calendar, Easter, is April 17th, 2022. But in the Hebrew calendar... Um, the Passover or Pesach is a uh, Nisan or Nisan seventeen fifty seven eighty two. Now that is because they follow their calendar and not the Georgian calendar, so it's five thousand seven hundred and eighty two years. In the second and third centuries, solidified the early church's emphasis upon Sunday worship and its rejection of the Jewish or Mosaic law-based observation of the Sabbath and manner of rest. On March 7, 321, however, Roman Emperor Constantine issued a civil decree making Sunday a day of rest from labor, stating, All judges and city people and craftsmen shall rest upon the venerable day of the sun. And that's not S-O-N, that's S-U-N. The Council of Nicaea, a council attended and somewhat led by Constantine, did make a decision for Sunday, but not to change the Sabbath to Sunday. Instead, they ruled only on the question of the celebration of Passover. The church had been meeting on Sunday for centuries. In the book of Exodus, chapter 12, I'm going to be reading verses 1-14. through 14. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. 
And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of persons. According to each man's need, ye shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw nor boiled or at all with water, but roasted it in fire, its head with its legs and its entrails. You shall let none of it remain until morning. And what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire. And thus you shall eat it with the belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For it will pass through the land of Egypt on the night, and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as the feast by an everlasting ordinance. Now the Passover lamb is very interesting. Late winter and early spring, sheep have their lambs. Jesus' birth in the Hebrew calendar is the month of Nisan, which is April. This article, that around 235 CE, Hippolytus of Rome placed the birth of Jesus on December 25th. While this has been theorized in the past, this article brings forward hitherto unheralded evidence about Jesus' birth from Hippolytus. Canon and his Cana Khan. First, the canon marks the Passover as the Genesis, origin or birth. The pronunciation in Greek is Genesis of Jesus, a word which scholars have previously thought refers to birth. This article, however, uses evidence from an extensive word study to show that the term most likely refers to conception, which would then place the birth of Jesus sometime in late fall or early winter. So, on a side note, I'm, when I read this article, I first thought, well, this happened 235 years later, after Christ, and they're making this assertion now, which I find, um, well, who are they to do that? Where, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't care what other people think of you. It really depends on what God has foretold. And this is some of the revisionism that has happened through uh, Christendom. And it all starts with some ideas of these men, and it's always at this time. 
And mind you, during these like first 500 years after Christ, there's so much going on. And you can write you know, volumes of what has happened in these uh, first 500 years. Um, even the the writings of the, the Quran and also the uh, finishing of the Talmud is all all in that period of time. From Hippolytus of Rome and Constantine was 85 years. The Romanization of Christianity was already well on its way. Greco-Roman anti-Semitism or Judeophobia has been recorded. Well, the reason why I made that assertion is because you can read, uh, there are so many writings in that time period that have been recorded and you can really see that the the emperors of Rome, and I only mention Constantine here, but from this person, Hippolytus, and Constantine, it was within 100 years. And so there, there is a culmination and a, an, uh, a, a temperature or an atmosphere that's created for anti-Semitism. And as I keep going, you're going to see that we're just going to have to face these facts. So this is from another article. With the conversion of Roman emperors, Christianity became the sole established religion of the Roman Empire. And the early church fathers sought to establish Christianity as the successor of Judaism. The refusal of Jews to accept Jesus as the Messiah was viewed as a threat to the Roman rulers and to Christianity. Since both religions came from the Old Testament, Christians sought to establish the validity of their new religion by claiming that it superseded Judaism. So you can find Jewish expulsion from Rome in the book of Acts, chapter 18, verse 2, Claudius 41 through 54 CE. It's from another article. 135 CE. Hadrian resolved to stamp the Jews and their religion out of existence. He sold all Jewish prisoners into slavery, forbade the teachings of the Torah, renamed the province Syria-Palestinia, and changed Jerusalem's name to Aelia Capitolina. Although scholars divided over whether to place Jerusalem's name change before or after the revolt, synagogues were replaced with Roman temples, More painful was the edict barring Jews from so much as looking upon their fallen capital. Many prominent rabbis violated this edict and martyred themselves in the process. Hadrian's efforts had lasting effects. The Jews would not regain control of their ancestral homeland for over 1,800 years. So I want to make a statement. Where there is replacement theology, the belief that Christianity replaced Judaism, you will find anti-Semitism or Judeophobia. So my question is replacing Judaism with what? So this creates gaps. Beliefs and religion are inserted. This gives way for many types of replacements. This one in particular was replacing Passover for Easter. In another article, In ancient Rome, the followers of Cybele 
believed that their goddess had a consort who was born via a virgin birth. His name was Addis. And he died and was resurrected each year during the time of the Veneral Equinox on the Julian calendar between March 22nd and March 25th. The Romans adopted Greek mythology and their gods. So as you can see that their beliefs, the religion, the mythology of these gods were easily inserted into the gaps in which they omitted certain aspects of Judaism, which is in connection to what we believe as Christians, because it comes from the Hebrew Bible. Now, some of this is hard to take, some of this is difficult to hear, but this is the truth. Prophecy for the virgin birth in the book of Isaiah, which was written 740 to 700 BCE. And around 700 BCE, the poet Hesiod's Theogony offered the first written version of Greek mythology. So the prophecy in Isaiah was 40 years before the very first writings in Greek mythology. A lot of people like to say that Judaism and Christianity borrowed from the ancient writings of different civilizations, which is not true. There is so much of this said only because it's similar, but similar doesn't mean same. So let's move on. Yet we still celebrate Easter as a holiday observed by Christians. To go a step further, the washing of the epistles in Acts chapter 12 in the King James Version, which has evidence of English and Eurocentric washing from earlier Roman influences in the word Easter in Acts chapter 12 verse 4. In the King James Version, the word Passover is omitted. The New King James Version rightfully corrects Acts chapter 12 verse 4 as Passover. So why is this important? The vital narrative changes throughout history, which changes the story of redemption. So what ends up happening is that we look to the church and people that run it instead of God and His Son Jesus Christ. In the narrative of the actual first Passover in Egypt, found in Exodus chapter 12, we find the first calendar that God instituted for his people began in April, the spring. Sheep have their lambs in the spring. God instructed his people to take a lamb and use its blood to mark the lintel and the posts of their homes, so that the destroyer will pass over them. Then afterwards, exited Egypt. The Passover Seder is the commemoration and observance of this great miracle. A specific meal and certain foods are strategically selected to retell this very important story every year. The Passover is the oldest religious observance. Every one of the points in the narrative of the Exodus, and other parts of the narrative as well, Jesus fulfills. I'll save that one for April 17th, Sunday, 2022. I want to thank you for listening. Every one of the points in the narrative of the Exodus chapter 12, Jesus fulfills. But I'll save that one for April 17th, Sunday, 2022, on my page on the First Discipleship on Facebook. 
Thank you. God bless.